name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. As we read this gospel, we've all heard this story before. One of the main times we hear it throughout the year is during uh, Holy Week, where we hear the story about this woman who brought an alabaster flask, went to the Pharisee's house, went to Christ, and wiped his feet. So we see this story, we see this situation happening. But today I want to talk a little bit about what, what else is happening in this story. A little bit of a, uh, to look at this woman in a different way. So the gospel describes her as a sinful woman, a sinful woman. That was her title in, in the Bible. We don't know her name. All we know is that she's named, is she called a sinful woman. What made me think about while I was reading this, this gospel, while I was preparing this week, I started looking at it from a perspective of who's calling her that? Who, who can possibly call someone a sinful woman? If I, if I were to call someone a sinful person or somebody calls somebody, this person's a bad person, this person seems a little bit judgmental, something bad. How could somebody call someone that? But here, it's two things. The gospel writers are putting it to show the full story. They're showing where this person was to start off with, and as the story finishes, where they have become, or who they've had, they've become. But here we see the other aspect is she realizes her own state of mind. And I think this is a very, very important um, realization. Her realization of who she is, what her state is, is the most important part I believe, of this whole story. Admitting our situation is important in any aspect. For example, you're struggling in school. The hardest thing to do is admitting that you're struggling before anything else. You're having, uh, you have a certain type of addiction. Admitting that you have this addiction is the first First and most important aspect, before anything else can be done. Nothing would have happened, this story would have never happened if she didn't admit her situation. A big part of being a Christian is this realization. And this realization requires honesty, requires self-reflection, requires some alone time with ourselves. And to be honest with ourselves, more than anybody else, to be honest with ourselves, to really acknowledge where I am, what state of mind I'm in. For example, if you're sitting at home, you're not going to start cooking, you're not going to order food, you're not going to go to the fridge and, and just heat something up, if you don't first realize that you're hungry. You first have to acknowledge the state of mind. You can't start by saying, okay, just, just eat the food 
and then you might get hungry. It doesn't work that way. I mean, for most people, it doesn't work that way. You don't go to tutoring before you realize that you're, you're struggling. This is the same thing in our spiritual life. In our spiritual life, we must acknowledge our state of mind, our state of heart, our state in relation to Christ before we can do anything about it. We see here in the story that the woman who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, bought, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. What, what's interesting here is that the Bible doesn't give us very much details as far as like, what's going on in this woman's life. When did she realize? What, where did she get this flask from? But we can, I feel like the, the, the gospel is written in this way. It gives us time and room to read between the lines to contemplate. St. Ephraim the Syrian writes a beautiful contemplation about the story. What he says is, when this woman realized where, what situation she was, imagine her deciding to go to the Pharisee's house and realizing she can't go empty-handed, that she must go and buy. And imagine the conversation in the marketplace when she went to buy this alabaster flask. And imagine that the person knows that she's a sinner, knows she has that reputation. And she asks, and he asks her, why do you, why would you bring this stuff? What are you doing now? Who are you going to sin with now? Who are you going to ruin now? And imagine her feeling ashamed and negative. St. Ephraim is talking about it from a, a completely, um, like a, a contemplation, but the idea is to look deeper and to look at the story and, and to see that it wasn't just like a snap of a finger, a sinful woman just showed up at someone's house. There is a life journey that someone goes through, but the realization that they're a sinner, the realization that they are in need is the first step. The second thing is her reaction. So once we acknowledge our situation, there has to be a reaction. So for example, acknowledging that you're hungry, the reaction goes into a panic of, okay, what am I gonna eat? No, I don't want this, I want this, no, I don't want this. We look at what we have in the fridge, we, we look at what we can order, we look at where we can go eat, whatever the situation is. But there's a decision that is made this, that admitting our situation causes a reaction. For her, the reaction was, I must bring something. I must sacrifice my money, my effort, my time, and go to Christ. It's a beautiful story about someone who realizes their situation, but not only realizes it, goes to the solution, goes to the solution. When she gets to Christ, St. Ephraim also talks about how that encounter was before she even got to Christ. It wasn't as if Christ was in an open area. It wasn't as if he was in an open invitation, standing outside in a park, 
in a field where anybody can just kind of go. He was in someone's house. And not just anyone, a Pharisee's house. So for him to go to, for her to go to a Pharisee's house where she has this reputation also must have been very tough. But at the same time, we see that nothing could stop her. Nothing can get in her way. Many people that I've talked to, that I've heard, when, when I ask about, oh, I haven't seen you in church, or you know, why don't you come to church? The number one thing people say is, I don't feel comfortable. People judge me. People, I don't like the people in the church. People say things to me. And it's sad, and this is, we might have gone through it. I mean, thankfully we're all here, so it means that we're not going through it right now, but many times we've thought that, or we've felt that, or you've heard people say that. Or even the fact that I don't like coming on, on Sundays, I like coming on other days. It's fine that you go when you're comfortable, but let's figure out the reason why. And if the reason is people, that's stopping us from partaking of Christ's body and blood, connecting this fellowship of other Christians, then this is a problem. Then we have to acknowledge that. Imagine the sinful woman going to the house, and the Pharisees, I'm sure, were not the most welcoming of people, opening the door for her and giving her a place to stand and to sit. Of course not. But that didn't stop her. She went all the way. She was focused. She went all the way to Christ. And what happened when she arrived at Christ? It says, and, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. She just saw Christ. Behind, she stood behind him and she started weeping. The fathers talk about the tears of this woman as a representative of the tears of repentance, which is the same as the tears of, or the water of baptism. The tears of repentance is the, is the beginning of our cleansing. She's, at this point, she's repenting from her situation. She's realized her situation, she's acting upon it, and she's repenting. She went to the source. Many of us might stop in one aspect. Like I said, the hardest part is the realization. But once we realize, what are we doing about it? Once we realize that we're struggling with a sin, how are we acting upon it? Once we realize that we're in a bad friendship or a bad relationship what do we do about it <laughs> once we realize that I'm listening or watching inappropriate things what am I doing about it because one thing is realizing and the other thing is doing something about it so I'll tell you a story one time I was uh, uh, talking to somebody and they were showing me something on their phone. And 
So they're like going through, they're holding their phone in front of me and they're looking through. And then um, they were showing me, I forgot what they were showing me, but then they moved the phone away from me. So like, that's fine. Like, I'm not trying to look at anybody's phone, but they, they moved it away. Then they brought it back. They said, sorry, sorry, Abuna. There was something I didn't want you to see. And I said, okay, it's not about me seeing it. I don't need to see it. But the fact that you're ashamed of it, the fact that you're embarrassed for me to see it, is a question mark. You have to ask yourself. If you're ashamed of me to see it, how come you're not ashamed to see it yourself? So the realization could be there. But what are we doing about that? We see this woman sacrifice her money, sacrifice her time, sacrifice her, 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 um, her situation or uh, her comfort to go and to speak to, to, to Christ. But not only to speak to him, to go and, and serve him. There's a, there's a beautiful saying by Metropolitan Anthony Bloom. He says, sometimes people behave as if the whole of a Christian life were centered around seeing what is wrong with oneself on one's unworthiness. We cannot be renewed if we only concentrate on what is, which is dead in us, our sins. To come into life, we must turn to that which is alive in us and support it, allow it to blossom. This aspect is very important. Repentance is not just saying that I'm bad, but it's saying that God is good and God is perfect. Once we acknowledge our situation and acknowledge the solution, the physician, then we can do something about it. Many of us could start off like the, the, the sinful woman and end up like the rich young ruler, where we know that there's a situation we have to fix, but uh, it's too much work. I'm going to go all the way there and to the Pharisee's house and to Christ. I'm going to go all the way to church. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to come take communion. I'm going to read my Bible. That's too much. And that's where we sometimes fall. This woman teaches us a lesson that she went and spent a lot of money, spent a lot of time, was not ashamed to go in order for her life to be changed. And Christ acknowledged that. You see, the other side of the situation is the Pharisees. And the Pharisee here, the Pharisees in this situation, we see one of the main things we notice is they believed they were fine. They believed they were completely fine. They not only felt that they were fine, they judged the woman that was coming then, afterwards, they challenged and they judged Christ. Many times we're in that same situation, where we are the Pharisees. We become the Pharisees. The same thing I said earlier, when people don't like coming to church because of people, that's not a valid reason, it's not a valid excuse, because it's like not going to see the doctor because you don't like the parking situation. You don't like the, the front desk. That, that should never stop you. 
right? So for us, that should never stop us. But the second thing is we have to ask ourselves, why are we in our church sometimes becoming like the Pharisees and stopping people from coming? Are we ourselves judging anybody that comes? If we see somebody that we haven't seen in a long time, do we make them feel bad for, oh, finally you're here. How, where have you been? Do we make them feel bad? Do we, do we ask them, did you stop what you're doing? Do you call them out? Do we expose people's shortcomings and sins? Or do we cover them with love? And these are the things we need to ask ourselves. So faith triggers repentance, which triggers action. It triggers some sort of work. The last thing Christ says to her, he, told, he speaks of her. He says, therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to him little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her faith has saved her. Her faith, which started before she bought the alabaster flask, that's what saved her. Because that triggered a bunch of actions. That she continued from there to get the alabaster flask, to go find Christ, to know where he was, to go through that uncomfortable situation, to go sit at his feet. All this because of her faith. So we need to acknowledge our sin, know who the true physician is and where he is, and then allow our faith to trigger repentance and to continue into actions and glory be to God forever. Amen.